0: Today, uh, we're going to continue in this passage in the book of John that we call the Upper Room Discourse. And it is the Lord Jesus, uh, it's the record John makes of the Lord Jesus preparing his disciples for his departure. And you'd have to say they don't really understand what's happening at this point but Jesus is saying some things that are very disturbing. Well, first of all, he's saying, I'm going away. I don't, they don't get that. They've come to believe that Jesus is Messiah. And they don't have a mindset for Messiah going away. Their idea of Messiah is a Messiah who comes and stays. And uh, but Jesus has been fairly consistently giving them this word that he is going to die, and he is going to be raised, and he is going to return to the Father. But it doesn't. They have a hard time registering all this. At the beginning of this conversation, they were asking him, "Where are you going? Where are you going? And can't we come with you?" and he says well not just yet you will later but not now and then one of them says well how will we get how we don't even know where you're going he says you do know where you're going you do know where i'm going but it just doesn't quite get there So uh, Philip asks him, well, just show us the Father. And Jesus says, well, what do you think I've been doing? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And they just can't get it. But then Jesus changes the subject as he goes through this conversation. And he starts talking about how the world is going to hate them the way it hates him. And they know what he's talking about. And that they will even be killed for his their association with him. And then, well, that, uh, is a complete distraction to them. And that's where we are today, in the middle of that part of the conversation. And of course, the scripture says that this is true of everyone who follows Christ. That following Christ will be A reason for people in the regular world who don't follow Christ to hate you and do you wrong for no better reason than you understand and trust in the grace of God in Christ. Because the message of the gospel, as we can read in 1 Corinthians, is foolishness and scandal in the world. It's stupid and offensive. (laughs) Well, I have a bit of the same reaction the disciples had, I think, which is, ah, that's distracting. I don't care for that. Jesus says to them, they'll put you out of the synagogue. Time is coming when the one who kills you will think he's offering service to God. They'll do these things because they have not known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when the time comes, you'll remember that I told you about this. There's something about knowing this in advance that prepares one for this. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now, I'm going to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking me, where are you going? Now, how does he say that? Because, you know, just... A couple chapters earlier, they were saying, where are you going? What's he mean? He means, now I'm looking around in the room, and since I started talking about this hating you and persecuting you and killing you even thing, I see you've forgotten your question about where I'm going. You're not too concerned about where I'm going anymore. Instead, your hearts are filled with sadness because I've said these things to you. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I am going away. For if I do not go away, the advocate, that's this translation, there's several different translations, advocate, helper, Comforter, the most common ones in English, advocate, helper, comforter. How can all three of those words be a translation for one word? Advocate, helper, comforter. I, that's interesting. The word is the word paraclete, which we've looked at before as we've gone through this study. Paraclete, the one alongside the one who calls us alongside. And there's a verb form of this word that can mean encourage or admonish. <laughs> now I think when I'm being admonished, that may or may not be encouraging. But this is a big wide word and it covers a lot of territory. Territory. It can mean a comfort or a correction or both or all these things. The Holy Spirit is the one in mind here, the comforter, the counselor, the corrector, the exhorter, And Jesus says, it's to your advantage if I go away, because by going away, the paraclete will be sent. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed this reading this text before, but Jesus is saying, it is better for us that the Spirit has come than it would have been if he were still here. That's quite a thing to say. Now we know why. And the reason why is the Spirit will come to actually indwell the life of everyone who trusts in Christ and the life of the body of Christ, the church, the fellowship of the saints, all is actually indwelt by God himself in the person of the spirit when Jesus was here Jesus was here he was very localized you could meet him you could shake his hand he could hug you but if he was hugging me he couldn't be hugging you at the same time The person of the Spirit is in each of us and in all of us and in our fellowship together in the body all at once. It's as though Jesus himself has come to occupy each of us. So it's a great advantage actually that the Spirit has come. And apparently it was necessary for Jesus to return. Well, that was necessary for many reasons, but it also facilitated the sending of the Spirit. And so he says, it's to your advantage. If I don't go away, the advocate will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... And when he comes, and here's what we want to focus on today, what does the Spirit do? Here's what Jesus had to say about that. What does the Holy Spirit of God do? He says, when he comes, he will prove the world wrong concerning sin, concerning righteousness, and concerning judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because I am going to the father and you will see me no longer and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but will speak whatever he hears and will tell you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will receive from me what is mine and announce it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. And that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what is mine and tell it to you. In a little while, you'll see me no longer. Again, after a little while, you'll see me. Turns out that sentence also will completely distract the disciples. Like, what is he talking about? And we're going to talk about that next time. But, what's he say about what the Spirit does? I, the, I see three things here that the Spirit does. The first thing is, he exposes the world. The Spirit of God exposes the world. And the second thing is, he, guide, he will guide you, disciples... Into all truth. And the third thing is, he will glorify me. In fact, I think the first two things do the third thing. And the second thing does the first thing. Was that a little confusing? (laughs) He will expose the world and he will guide you into all the truth. And in so doing, he will glorify Christ. And if you ask the question, how will he expose the world? The answer is, he will guide you into all truth. So let's just take these one at a time. He will expose the world. Now I'm using that word expose, and the text says, uh, prove the world wrong. (laughs) that's quite an expansion the the old english text said convict he will convict the world oh the word convict that means find guilty but this word it's a really interesting word because it really means bring to light the truth of a matter it's a it's a sort of a judgment it's but it's It means to show how it is. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit with reference to the world. He exposes the world. Well, this is what Jesus has been talking about, about why the world hates him and therefore us, because the world is exposed by him. The world is full of sin, and unrighteousness and requires judgment. And so he, by simply showing up, he says, just in the previous paragraph, you remember what he said? He said, you know, if I hadn't shown up, they wouldn't be guilty. I'm here, they're guilty. His very presence exposes the guiltiness of the people around him who don't trust him. So he says, the spirit will continue this work of exposing the world. Does this in three ways concerning sin, concerning righteousness, concerning judgment. kind of the, the grammar here, it's kind of like this, on the one hand concerning sin and on the other hand concerning righteousness. Concerning sin because they don't believe in me. The, the Spirit of God will expose the world's sinfulness, because they don't believe in Jesus. Remember that. The key element here is, as always throughout the Gospel of John, believe in Jesus. Trust Jesus. And then he says, it will expose the world concerning righteousness because I'm no longer here to be seen. Now, here he's simply saying... I've been here functioning this way exposing the world in terms of righteousness. I've been here demonstrating the righteousness of God himself in the flesh in a a human being. Jesus lived in perfect righteousness from the day he was born till the day he died and ever since and ever before that. He lived in utter obedience to the law of God in every respect, heart, soul, mind, and strength. He was utterly devoted to the Father and that devotion played out in the way he lived his life. Always obedient. I can't even imagine that. But that's what he did, and he's saying, I'm going away. But that exposure of the world to righteousness is going to continue in the ministry of the person of the Holy Spirit of God, the helper, the comforter. And then he says, finally, concerning judgment, that the ruler of this world has been condemned. It's very interesting. We uh, can talk about spiritual warfare these days and our contention with the enemy, the ruler of this world, Satan. But Jesus uses a very interesting word here. He doesn't say the ruler of this world is going to be condemned. He uses a perfect tense verb, which means this has happened, it is done. The victory belongs to Christ. The judgment has been made and is only being carried out. And so the Spirit of God brings these exposures of the world. And this begs the question, for whom? The world, because of the, because of the gift of the Spirit of God, the world is brought to light. The world is made visible. And we might say, well, to whom? And then we've got to remember where this conversation lies in this text because... Jesus has just delivered to the disciples this troubling news and he's observed to them now that they're completely distracted by that and they're not so worried about where he's going now as they are about the trouble they're going to get from the world. And he says, but when I go and the Spirit comes, the world be shown for what it is. The Spirit is coming in on your side. In this conflict. So if we ask the question. Exposed for who? It's for you. And I've I've given you this question in the bulletin this morning. How good is your vision? And the question here is aimed at this. How clearly do you see the world? For what it is. John, the same John, writes an epistle in which he says, Love not the world. Apparently us Christians, we need that instruction. We are often tempted, I think, to love the world and to not see it for what it really is. And to beg the world's attention and the world's Goodnesses and fame and blah, blah, blah. We want to appeal to the world. We want to be accepted in the world. But the work of the Spirit of God is for you to see it as it is. Not what you'd really like it to be, but what it is. And John goes on in the epistle in 1 John. He says, the things of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And then he says this, the world and its lusts are dying. And so what Jesus is Noticing about the work of the Spirit, it's the same as His work, which is for us, those who follow and trust in Him, to be realistic about our situation in this world. And to be realistic about our situation in this world is to notice there's a conflict that's real. The Scripture describes us as having three enemies. Three enemies. The world, the flesh, the devil. (laughs) And so he is seeking to encourage the disciples. He's saying to them, look, I can see, I can tell by looking at you guys, you've been completely distracted when I started talking about how the world's going to hate you and persecute you, maybe even kill you, certainly throw you out of the assembly. Your synagogue, your place where you belong, your, your covenant community, you're going to be ejected from that because you are with me. And they might even kill you. And I can see you've been completely distracted by this news. But let me tell you, the Spirit (laughs) will expose the world. You are on the right side if you are with Christ. The second thing he does is he guides, he will guide you into all truth. Jesus says, there's a lot more for me to say, but I'm going away. The point here is, how's he going to communicate everything he has to say? There's too much for him to tell them. There's not time. How will he get his message across? And the answer is, he'll send the Spirit. See, he says here, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will not speak on his own authority. The spirit of truth will guide you in all truth. So there's a lot I haven't told you. And the spirit will finish the job. And we know this is true because we have the New Testament. Inspired by the very spirit of God. Who led these men, some of them, to write down the word of God. And he says, he will not speak on his own authority, he will speak what he hears, he will announce to you what's coming. Oh. So here, he'll guide you in the truth, he'll, he'll speak what he hears, he'll announce to you what's coming. Now, I would say these ministries are largely accomplished in giving the New Testament scriptures to the the apostles. But these ministries of the Spirit also continue in the way he helps us to understand those scriptures correctly. And the way he as we've already seen, helps us to understand our situation in the world. Here's what I think about modern Christians in the West. We have been seduced into thinking the world is our friend. Those days are coming to an end. Jesus did not teach you to expect friendliness from the world as a Christian. So, the Spirit will guide us in the truth, in our understanding of the Scripture, in our understanding of our situation in the world. And here's the best part. Our correct anticipation of the things to come. What are the things to come? He's, he's talking about the hope of the resurrection. The hope of the resurrection. Things to come. The conflict will come to an end. And the spirit you might not have noticed this, but if you read the whole Bible up to this point near the end of the book of John, what you would have about the things to come is pretty vague compared to what will be revealed in the rest of the New Testament. Where we are assured, you know, in the time of Christ, whether people would be resurrected or not was a subject of controversy. Like some people came and asked Jesus about it one day. So which side of this theological argument are you on? Resurrection? No resurrection. The New Testament especially from this point forward, is crystal clear about the things to come. Where would that information come from? The Spirit of God communicated it to the apostles who wrote it down. You can read the book of Revelation, which, although uh, (laughs) it's communicated in a lot of symbols and allegories, it's pretty clear. And one point is certain and not subject to any disagreement among Orthodox Christians. Christ will return and his people will be raised from the dead unto eternal life. You can read that in the most ancient creeds of the church. It's like the one thing that we all agree about. Well, there's a few of those things, but it's one of them. Christ will return, and the body of Christ will be raised from the dead unto eternal life, no doubt. That, until the Spirit came, wasn't made that clear. And Jesus is announcing that to the disciples. He's saying, look, when the Spirit comes, He'll, he'll lead you into all truth. Into the, he'll, he'll give you the Scriptures. He'll give the rest of us an understanding of the Scriptures, an understanding of our situation in the world, an understanding of the correct anticipation of the things to come. And then the third thing, He says, He will glorify me. He will expose the world. He will guide you into the truth, and he will glorify me by taking what's mine and announcing it to you. In other words, the communication of Jesus to his disciples is ongoing. It is not coming to an end because he is departing. No, the things of God delivered in Christ are still Communicated by the Holy Spirit. And this glorifies Jesus. Here's something you need to remember about the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is all about Jesus. Always, always, always. The very heart of the Christian life is to walk in faith in Jesus Christ. It's not to develop some religious system you follow, some practical principles you follow. It's to trust in Christ and then live in that. The rest is details. And this is always, always, always the work of the Spirit is to exalt the person of Jesus Christ in the eyes of his people so that we will trust in him and what he has done and in his righteousness, not mine. The Spirit takes what belongs to Christ and announces it to us. And then Jesus says, all the Father has is mine. So this goes back another step, because all along Jesus has said the same thing about himself, hasn't he? He said, I never do anything except what I see the Father doing. He said, I never say anything except what I hear from the Father to say. The Father... I follow the Father, the Spirit follows me. All that belongs to God is given to us in Christ by the Spirit. I'm going to say that again. All that the Father has is given to us in Christ and by the Spirit. We pray in Christ and by the Spirit The promise of the Spirit is the continuing presence of the Son, who is the provision of the Father. The promise of the Spirit is the continuing presence of the Son, who is the provision of the Father. If I ask the question, how did God provide for me? The answer is Jesus. If I ask the question, how do I know? The answer is the Spirit. If I stand before God one day and he says, well, why should I let you in? Imagining heaven, you know, with the gate and all that, you know. So why should I let you in? I only have one answer. I only have one answer. I mean, the truth is, if I am honest, God, you shouldn't let me in. Even after I've been trying real hard to be a real good Christian for 60-some-odd years, you you really shouldn't let me in because I'm really no good at it. I'm still no good at it. I'm better than I used to be, but I'm still closer to Hitler than Jesus. I don't know why you should let me in. You shouldn't. If justice is done. And then Jesus will stand up and say, I... Taken the justice, he's with me, he can come in. That's my only answer. I'm with him, I'm with him. I'm with, in fact, I'm according to scripture in him. In fact, according to scripture, I'm already in because Ephesians 2. God, because of the great love with which he loved us, has made us alive again in Christ and seated us in him at the right hand of the Father already, like past tense verbs. Already, I'm there because I'm in him. The spirit, the the work of the spirit in our life is to keep our attention on these things facts. It's it's this. I'm, you know, having a hard life, struggling, because, struggling you know, Microsoft won't help me. Blah, blah, blah. And the Spirit says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. I'm having a conflict with some person that bothers me uh, trouble, trouble, or maybe I'm one of those people the world is actually persecuting actively that's going on in the world this morning there are people in this world because they name the name of Christ people are beating them, imprisoning them, taking their property killing them even that's going on right now And the Spirit of God is saying to them, yeah, but Jesus, but Jesus. And remember the things to come. The resurrection, you know, they can kill you and you won't be dead. That's the work of the Spirit. It's always about Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Rest your weary little head in Jesus. Now, this whole conversation is all about how the disciples can carry on enduring this persecution in the absence of Jesus. And really, the message is Look, I'm going away, but I will not be absent. And our carrying on under persecution is possible because we are being guided into the truth, the truth about the world. Look, don't be surprised. The world hates you. Why wouldn't it? The truth about Christ, the truth about our position in the world and in Christ, and the truth about our future in Christ, which is resurrection from the dead unto eternal life in fellowship with God in Christ by the Spirit. I remember one time several years ago I was reading the Bible, I do that sometimes. I was reading the Bible. I was reading, I think it was in 1 Corinthians, where it says, Don't you know, don't you know that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Are you, have you put your faith in Christ? Have you decided, my only hope is Jesus. I trust him. I trust what he did. I trust his righteousness. I rest in him. If you are a person, if you, if you have that testimony, you trust in Christ, Paul asks you this question. Don't you know the spirit of God dwells in you? And I remember I was reading that one day. And, you know, I was brought up in a Christian Bible-focused family. Uh, You know, I've been reading the Bible since before I could read. And I'm used to these things. What a shame to get used to these things. And for some reason, the Spirit of God dwelling in me that day said, Hey, hey, you... Don't you know? Have you gotten used to the fact that God Almighty, creator of everything, power, all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent, all those things they teach you about God, that that one actually lives in you? (laughs) What? Now, now how worried are you about the world hating you? Persecuting you? (laughs) God Almighty, you know, there's some stars we haven't seen yet. Because they're so far away, their light hasn't arrived here yet. Think how vast it is. I've noticed this when I go diving. I can't see small enough. The closer I look, the more there is. And I, I remember I took this picture of a sponge because I thought it was a pretty sponge, you know, and I wanted to shine the light on it and it got all colorful and all these things. And then when I got home and I looked at the picture of the sponge, here's this tiny, tiny starfish, like smaller than my little pinky fingernail. I didn't even see it when I was standing there looking at it. And the, go, I don't care which way you go. You can go out, you can look at the stars. You can't see them all. Or you could go small and <laughs> you can't see it all. That God lives in you. And he is communicating to you the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. That your sins are forgiven. That he has received the judgment on your behalf. He has set you free to live now in his righteousness. From his righteousness to his righteousness. You have everything in him. And that God, the one who lives in you, the Father God, he promises you that he will supply all your needs according to uh, whether he feels like it that day. No, according to his glorious riches. A world you can't even begin to imagine. Jesus says, it is to your advantage if I go, because I will send the Spirit. And the Spirit now dwells in each of us and in us together in the body, in our fellowship. Couldn't be any better than that. Couldn't be. And this is the strength from which we face the world. The world is hostile to God since the fall of Adam. We've all been hostile to God. So when the world sees God in you, it generates hostility. And you can return blessing because of the wealth you possess in Christ. You can do as Jesus said, love your enemies because of the wealth of love that has been bestowed on you and is communicated to you in the person of the Spirit dwelling in you. What we do here on Sundays is we gather together we possess the life of Christ in the person of the Spirit who is in and among us in this fellowship. And by attention to the word of God, the spirit of God redirects our minds and our hearts and undistracts us so that our attention is on Christ and our faith rests in Christ. That's why we're here. And that is what we need every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. We can carry on enduring persecution in Jesus' absence because the Spirit is guiding us into the truth. Truth about the world, truth about Christ, truth about our position in the world and in Christ, the truth about our future in Christ. Father, we give you thanks for your amazing grace and goodness to us. Lord help us to to dwell there as as Jesus says right here in this in this message in the book of John to abide in him. Lord help us to abide in him. Thank you for the inestimable gift of the Spirit. Help us to be attentive to the Spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.